I have never thought about this until we just completely flopped trying to create an intro. <laughs> but have you ever thought about that, like, in Finding Nemo, them getting eaten by the whale is actually semi-similar to Jonah? <laughs> <laughs> wow. That just blew my mind. Because, right, in Finding yeah. I mean, it's been years since I've seen Finding Nemo, Nemo they get eaten and then get blown out of the out of the blowhole like close to Sydney, right? Yeah. That's wow. exactly what happened with Jonah. I mean, not S- Sydney, but Dang. Wait. Yeah. Was Nineveh even close to the sea? This might be breaking down. <laughs> Nineveh is in no. modern day um I want to say no, but it's in modern day Iran, isn't it? Yeah, they're calling it, like, Iraq. Iraq. Okay, I was close. Either way, not close to the sea. So maybe that, uh, may- maybe that illustration breaks down a little bit. But it brings up the question <laughs> about parables and Jonah and, and Job. Nemo. <laughs> and heck, we'll even talk about the rapture. We've oh got questions God. coming today from Hunter on Facebook. Stay tuned. got the dummies ben and jj coming at you with wisdom from the bible and beyond this is dummies with wisdom so hunter wrote in quite a while ago we just haven't gotten around to his questions so thanks hunter for the uh for the for these questions today um, he wanted to know our thoughts on stories such as, or I guess just books, I I would assume, uh, our thoughts on uh, books such as Job and Jonah being interpreted as parables. And then we're also going to, he also wanted to know what our views on the rapture are. So uh, let's, let's start with, with Jonah and Job uh, being interpreted as parables. And this is, for those who might not know, this is, um, this is a theory that is used. People do think that they are parables. Um, I'm just going to right off the bat, I don't, I don't think that's the case. Yeah. Um, but it's not. This is not some you know coming out of left field idea. Mm-hmm. This is this is something that that some scholars do believe. Yeah. The uh, I think the especially Job I think is pretty among like Jewish circles is pretty heavily argued. Not like fifty fifty. It's like more like eighty twenty. Like the minority is it's a very minority of who think yeah. it's a you know if that didn't happen. Um, but there is, I think, a little bit of evidence toward it. I think for Job, it's harder. To, it's just harder to prove, like archaeologically, and like some other stuff like that. Um, like specifically pinpoint like other instances in Scripture um, yeah. that actually happened. Uh, the Jonah one's a little. It probably makes more sense for it to be a parable, but there's actual more evidence that that probably did happen. Uh, like the whole story was told as it was. Um, right. I think it was an article or something that I <clears throat> I had to study in um uh Old Testament at Cedarville or sorry that school. Um, <laughs> it's been a while since we've talked about that nameless organization. I know for real, I've done pretty good. Off the top of my head right now, I think it doesn't. I think Ezekiel and then definitely James both reference Job in like I think like the not it's not necessarily the biggest argument, but like I've heard especially James being referenced in mm-hmm. um in relations to like like your like the spiritual endurance that you have to have. I think that's literally like the 
the fra- like the phraseology in that that verse um right like i've i've heard the argument of it's hard to it's hard for someone like a like the writer of james to actually reference someone specifically like to encourage you right so like to encourage the audience and like that'd be very hard to do through a parable through something through like trying to encourage someone through a fake story right um right like there are big le- like when jesus uses parables or anyone uses parables it's always in like the specifics are kind of laid out it's not like you're using specific names and specific places right. and all these different things so that was kind of the argument for job and I th- or for um yeah for job I, I think a big argument to be made is that parables, when they're used in the Bible, are meant to to convey, to illustrate one particular truth, more or less. Now, that's not to say that there can't be like secondary, you know, purposes to it. But you know, like when we when we read the, uh, you know, the the story of the prodigal son, there's a main point to it. It's it's not like every single detail is a theological truth. You know, it's. Mm-hmm saying that one is the older son and one's the younger son does not mean that like older sons are worse than younger or whatever like it's it's meant to just be like it's like a painting it's it's showing a truth through an image essentially and Mm. again that's not to say that there aren't secondary points but i I, i've heard a lot of parables taught as though like every single you know like you look at the greek words and this is what it means and it's that's not to say that there's no value in that but generally speaking it's it it, that's going beyond what it was meant to be. It's a it's a story. It's an illustration, just like any sort of story that might be told. It's you know meant to have you know the one moral in the end. You know, um, mm. when I read through Jonah, well Jonah too, but I meant Job. Yeah. When right. I read through both of them, there's a lot of truths in there. There's a lot of in both of them. There's a lot to show about God's character, about who God is, about how God relates to His people, how He relates to others who are not his people you know in the old testament non-israelites um but when you read it as a parable you can't take stuff out of every individual verse you the point of the parable is the whole thing so then you have to look at those as a whole book Mm -hmm. and there's argument that um jonah's part of the book of the 12 right that's what i was about to say yeah i think so um because it's the not it's like part of the minor prophets right right so so there's an argument that jonah is not actually its own individual book it's part of the whole all the minor prophets the last 12 books of the old testament are deemed by some scholars as the book of the 12 so Mm -hmm. if that's if that's the case and that they're actually more just like one book written about or by different people but it's meant to be one literary unit then then that raises more questions of like okay are we do we have 12 books, but only 11 of them are meant to be interpreted you know, more literally? And then we got this one parable in here. A lot of questions yeah. like that would be swirling around. Yeah. And I think that's like the biggest part of just going like taking that big picture again from the top down view of like what we think of scripture and like yeah. the inerrancy of it. And like, I think within um, like that topic, you have to talk about the structure. Like I think the structure of, especially the old Testament is like, really crucial because it sets everything up Mm -hmm. um and to have one book that is just kind of off in no man's land doesn't match anything of what's going on so like if you are like if you believe in the inerrancy of scripture if you believe in um basically that like the book has a purpose right like the whole the entirety of the old testament tells the entirety of a story um and points back to the lord to have a have a book in there that's just come kind of out of left field a little bit 
that's that sort of matches you know but it doesn't match anything as far as the structure or it's like really it's meaning um yeah just kind of seems it seems uh, it raises that kind of red flag when you know you look at things within a christian realm and kind of starts raising some hairs of eh, maybe you should look into that thought i guess right well i mean even in in that kind of in that same train of thought like there's no other book of the bible that is a parable if that's the norm of the bible and you've got these two books and you're questioning are these literal or all these or or are these parables that that is definitely something to argue that they aren't parables if you know why would those be the only two and if 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 those if they would be parables they're very different books they have very different meanings they're in two totally different times there's you know jonah is all about jonah job isn't all about job it's a lot about his friends and stuff too like there's a lot of a lot of questions i would have there yeah well they think they think that job landed around the time of abraham that is one thing though that i would if you're gonna make an argument for either of these being a par- being more parabolic is that is that the right word use of i think so language parabolic sure i, I mean, guess that's like a that's like a uh algebraic term too yeah <laughs> either way <laughs> that's true <laughs> um job is much more ambiguous there's nothing that proved the date. it's just you know right job doesn't appear anywhere else in like the the, his, the biblical historical timeline like like he might be mentioned other places but like it's yeah. just in reference to job and his life there's no like you know like the the line of abraham happening like it's just job was there and that's it um Jonah has a lot more detail to it. There's a lot more. Um, there's a better time frame. Like it, there's a lot more details that say, okay, that that would have happened right then. It happened right there. This is where he left on the ship. This is where he got spit back up on the land. Here's where Nineveh yeah. was. We know where Nineveh was. We've we've um, discovered it, excavated some of it. So if you're gonna make an argument for one or the other, I would say that if one of them is a parable, it's definitely gonna be Job over Jonah. Right. But I don't think either one of them is. Yeah. Like I just looked up. So the Job one, apparently the Septuagint makes a bunch of references to it. I'm not going to dive in deep. Apparently it makes some references to like historical, you know, lineages or whatever. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of littered all over the place. Uh, and then supposedly Jonah is mentioned in Second Kings uh, 14, who prophesied during the reign of Jeroboam II. So I don't know, take that for what you will. But. I mean, I'd, I'd follow exactly where you are. Like, if you have more than a few people talking about it, like, there's probably something to the question being asked, which I don't think it's a bad question at all. Right. Um, like, it's, I think both Jonah and Job have some, I don't, don't want to call them shaky, but just like a lack of like physical evidence, you know? Whereas yeah. other figures are pretty easy to track down and, you know, at least have the historical part, um, even non biblical you know yeah. scholars will which, believe I mean, in do, the figure themselves which you do to jonah to some extent maybe not so much him as the man but like I said, right. like nineveh and yeah exactly you know, I'm like assuming- there's there's historical things that happen and that you're injecting him into a story that he is very much like been made kind of the main character you know right um whereas job yes outside of even being outside of kind of like the i don't know what you call it like biblical lineage maybe um, or just sure. like biblical salvific history, maybe. Eh, maybe I don't know if I like that. 
just kind of you got your circle of like your your main characters and like their outlying kind of branches and you know random stuff and he's kind he's of on the outside of, the of that circle yeah there you go i like that um and so that like i mean i don't mind the question at all and like so then right. it's like but then you gotta argue like all right if it's a parable it's in it's in scripture for a reason so like and then why is it pointed you know why why are other um you know books and authors of the bible point back to job as examples of how to live your life or right. how to respond to different situations or how the lord reacts when we react in certain ways you know right now if someone I, I haven't read any books arguing for this i know i just know that it is a is it is an interpretation if you have a solid reasoning why these must be parables i'm not going to say that that takes away from the bible if you if you still believe that they're inspired books of the bible that they're just not a real historical event does that you know are you are you not saved because of that absolutely not um mm. you know for all we know maybe maybe we're wrong i don't think we are um but it's it doesn't per se like take away from the bible it can take away some of it takes away no i think i agree with that because it it takes away from the maybe this might not be like as a whole but like i think in my mind it takes away from like the applicable impact of it um because then i mean honestly if like in my mind if i read a parable and this is like i mean i have no no way to back up how i feel about this but it just feels very shallow it makes it it makes it a very shallow story if it's not real um like i'm trying to pull out like what would what would the like kind of what you're talking about earlier like what would the lessons be what would be the main point of me going to jonah um if it's fake might be a great fake story or example about something um yeah but how I mean, veggie how, tales covered it uh, <laughs> hey i mean i just go back to veggie tales and study veggie tales never good <laughs> um but like i just have a hard time seeing how and i'm putting that in the context of the rest of scripture where mm-hmm. we are just like it's too much like you you can't get enough of the information that's going to come out of every single little aspect of everything that's involved in scripture and if you make job and jonah a parable in my mind right now i'm just like i think you lose a ton you know Mm -hmm. which doesn't match with the rest of the narrative of scripture right right i do think you have the risk of like calling other books parables and you know how do we know jesus was real like you, you it, it could go down a, slip, a slippery slope. That's not to say it would, but it, right. it definitely, I think, has that potential, and you can start calling into question almost anything, especially Old Testament stuff. You know, we don't have a lot of proof for a lot of the Old Testament because it was mm-hmm. so stinking long ago. So I think that's a danger. I don't think that's a, a reason to argue mm-hmm. one way or the other, but I think unless you have good research and know exactly what you believe and why you believe it, you, you run that risk of... of applying those principles to other to other parts of the old testament especially um yeah. yeah hunter also wants to know um our views on the rapture so Sick. this is an easy one <laughs> <laughs> you're right yeah this is an easy one uh well, let's just start let's just I start mean, here because because the the rapture is uh, across all branches of eschatology is essentially the people who are saved being caught up to christ being you know right taken from the earth yeah. uh, as far as um pre-mill amill post-mill pre-trib post-trib mid-trib you know all that stuff what where where do you stand on it? just eschatology in general 
I mean, right now it's like, I mean, I think I grew up with a very uh, pre-trib viewpoint, just kind of growing up Baptist. So pre-trib, pre-mill. Um, I think lately though, probably in the last year or two, I've probably gone, probably got a little more on the millennial side, like post-millennial maybe even. Post-mill or amill? Or amill, sorry. Okay. That's what I meant. Um. I don't know. There's like, cause just cause of the references to like what the rapture is. And then, um, some just like deeper dive study into what kind of the end of the world's going to end up looking like. It could be, you know, doom and gloom like physically, but I think there's, I think there's a deeper, what am I trying to say? I think there's just a deeper meaning to what we're supposed to get out of what, as we look toward the future, I think there's something we're supposed to get out deeper than just simply what's going to happen, right? And I think yeah. that's what we get caught up in. And so lately, I think just looking deeper into that, looking deeper into scripture, I've maybe moved more toward a Amil slash it's going to happen, it's going to happen <laughs> type of viewpoint. <laughs> Be ready because I think yeah. there's just so much more to like go about it. Now I will say now that I've kind of like, I think I've, been, I've done a big circle around. So I kind of want to dive back in and like, you know, kind of grind into like, yeah, okay, what do I actually think of that sort of thing? But I think right now, just from what I'm hearing and the more stuff that, you know, goes in my head, I think I'm, I've, I sit on that all mill kind of perspective right now. That's funny because I, I didn't I didn't know that until right now because that's almost exactly what has happened to me too. I yeah. uh, I, grew, I grew up in churches that were um, pre, pre-mill, pre-trib, but personally I always thought pre-mill, post-trib because I always thought that made a lot more sense. Yeah. Um, when when uh, I listened to Matt Chandler's series through Revelation, he preached from he preached from an Amel Amel perspective, but he wasn't like exactly teaching amillennialism. He was mm. teaching kind of an overview of the book, and I realized that he was essentially he was preaching from an Amel perspective. It wasn't preaching the Amel perspective, right? And a lot of what he said made a lot more sense to me than stuff I had heard growing up. You know, with all your timelines, your um, yeah, guys like you know David Jeremiah, uh, John Welford, those kind of guys. Um, all their stuff, you know, timelines, and I, it, it made a lot more sense, like, just kind of the ideas he was putting forth. So I, I bought a book soon after that by uh, Sam Storms, who's a pastor out of Oklahoma City, and he it was, like, this 570-page book on amillennialism where he just goes through it, and, I mean, in very, very deep. And after reading that, I'm like, this makes so much more sense to me than premillennialism ever did. It makes more sense of biblical text. I think Revelation makes a lot more logical sense even when you look at it through yeah. a different light so kind of the same thing i mean i i actually i, I wrote a paper in uh in college about the um about does the day of the lord mean the rapture and i after i kind of started like changing my viewpoint over the past like like probably like what you said about the last it was was chandler's sermons the thing that kind of turned you to a little bit no it was speaking of that school it was almost like an in spite of that viewpoint <laughs> just because I was so sick of it. And yeah. I was like, there's, if it's being like thrown down your throat so much, I was like, maybe, maybe I need to look into this. And so just as I started looking into it, there's just, there were so many holes in all of them, like not just the, you know, the pre-trib viewpoint, but like, I felt like in almost everything, there were a lot of holes. And so I just yeah. kind of like the whole eschatology topic, it was just annoying. So then I did touch it for like a year. And then yeah. started like kind of like diving back into it and like being like, okay, like how does again like that idea of like narrative of scripture, how does this fit in? Like this can't just be like doom and gloom, like 
you know, oh, this is going to happen, this is going to happen, this is going to happen. I was like, that doesn't sound like the God who wrote this Bible. And right. so kind of like diving in. And then the, the Chandler stuff, I mean, that was kind of, I feel like, in the middle of that. And that kind of like okay. almost like, re, like connected a lot of thoughts that I was having, I guess. And so... We could go into that all all day and, and discuss those things, but that's not the point here. Uh, so our views on the rapture, uh, w- when when you take the the seven year literal tribulation out of it, that alone is going to probably turn a lot of people off of of our view. Um, that doesn't mean that the rapture no longer exists uh, per se. It's just no longer a like being ripped out of the sinful world while the world like literally goes to hell yeah and and then we like you know new heavens new earth kind of thing it's it's more of a depending how you view it it's it's like we're taken up and then come back down to new heavens new earth or what whatever it's no it's not this like it's not so much like this monumental like all of a sudden just millions of or billions of people are just like floating up to the sky because the tribulation is about to start or it's about to end or whatever <laughs> yeah it's more of like the the rapture according to, to the Amil view the rapture happens at jesus's second coming when he comes to end time like that mm-hmm. is like armageddon like we're at the literal end there's there's no literal seven-year tribulation period it's just like the rapture comes at the end of human history to usher in the eternal state, the eternal age. Right. Um, I think the, like the, uh, like the emphasis is just different, you know, yeah. on like certain the, things. Yeah. The emphasis with, with premillennialism is like, especially if you're pre-trib pre-mill, it's like being taken out of the earth, being, you know, mm-hmm. being removed from the, hell that's going to come for seven years um the uh mid-trib would be kind of like you're you're being pulled out of the worst of it the last three and a half years a a post-trib rapture is like the world's coming to an end so we're gonna pull you out while amillennialism is more of like you made it you're saved let's go party with jesus i think think, well that even that explanation is like a big reason why i kind of fall on that because that sounds much more like the gospel like it doesn't sound yeah. like like all those other three sounds so self-centered you know and that's always how mm-hmm. it's taught that's and like there's almost i just don't feel like there's any big way around that when you get to the amillennial kind of perspective it then becomes we're being ushered in with jesus like he's bringing yes. us back yes. into this plan and it's like it clicks you know and I think right. that's what I, like that picture. That's why I think I fall on that viewpoint so much because it's not so much necessarily what is said in scripture. It's like, like it's specific spots. It's like, what does the whole of scripture say? Cause we're talking about this being literally the cap on everything. And right. I don't know. I just feel like us being ripped out early. Doesn't really sound like anything throughout scripture. I mean, it's hap- like God's ripped people right. out of the earth to, you know, for X, Y, Z reason. Um, sure he could rip us out in the middle I guess to you know I don't know to save us from the really really bad stuff that just sounds stupid to me like I, I don't see that example yeah. ever performed throughout human history you know so I just think it's a very 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 selfish idea in response to something that we don't even really understand what's going to happen anyway well I think the argument too is yeah it's, yeah, it's not worldwide but like look at what people have look at what christians have gone through throughout history yeah 
I mean, like people have gotten beheaded by butter knives. Like there's you we've we've been not again, not worldwide, but people have been through stuff that honestly can't be worse than the tribulation. Yeah. Or, that exactly. The, no, I'd agree with that. 100%. If, if you if you if you argue for a literal seven year tribulation, people have been through stuff that's just as bad as that. The 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 destruction of Jerusalem in AD seventy was Jeez, like brutal. That, which is why that's argued to be what the tribulation actually was right. was a i've heard yeah. that too yeah yeah that's but yeah that's a whole nother perspective whole nother perspective but like the if if god let those people go through all that i mean paul was literally left for dead they thought he was dead after they whipped him so much like is it is it gonna get much worse than than what you know paul went through on certain days or the stoning of stephen or i mean there's throughout history there has yeah. been some terrible stuff christians have like, gone through and are going through today like how so, selfish how selfish to like teach and preach and think that like just because you're you that you're going to get ripped out of like the comfort of your own home or like you're going to get yeah you're going to get ripped out of this world where honestly you're living probably pretty comfortably to avoid like i don't know a hurricane or a tornado or fires or like whatever you know ends up coming or you know some persecution in the face would, of what you just said, you know, like that's just a very yeah. like it just doesn't make sense to. I wouldn't I wouldn't call it selfish because there is there is biblical reasoning, so it's not like a I don't want to be here, so I'm going to preach this, and it's all it's about just me. That, but but it's I, just I know what you're saying. Like I just, that, you know, yeah, it, it is it is taught in that kind of a tone. I I think selfish is a little harsh. It's because it's not it's not like hey, I don't want to be here, so let's teach this. It's like hey, this is what I think the Bible teaches, so let's promote that we don't have to be here. But I think you you made a point a little bit ago that you said you said uh, the that you see it as the point is ushering in the new heavens and the new earth with Christ. Uh-huh. I think that's yeah. a great way of putting it because when we when we look at the Bible, the whole eschatology is about is about ushering in the new heavens and the new earth. It's not mm-hmm. about pulling people away. It's about restoring people too. And I think yeah, I think that's exactly. a huge difference when you when you look look at the rapture. Essentially, with amillennialism the rapture is like going up to get our glorified bodies to come back down mm-hmm. and like Armageddon happens and we're done and we're moving forward into eternal new heavens and new earth. Well, I think the, the premillennialism the you know, with, with the rapture, the emphasis is on being pulled out, whether it's pre-trib, whether it's mid-trib, post-trib, whatever the emphasis is you're not here for X. You're not here for mm-hmm. Y. It's it's it. The emphasis is not, restoration the emphasis is extraction hmm. which i would yeah. which i would argue is is the wrong way of, of viewing exactly ironically i had no idea we were kind of on the same track with all this but if you yeah. if if what we have said about not believing in premillennialism has turned you off and i'm sure that most people who millennialism is not the popular view look into it because the more I get, the more I've looked at amillennialism, the more I've kind of thought the opposite of like, how, how can we believe the Bible really preaches premillennialism? So look into it. It's a very valid perspective. I'm not going to sit here and this is not a hill I'm going to die on. Understand the different views and pick a view. What makes most sense to you? You don't have to, you don't have to die on every hill of controversial theology but we need to (laughs) know enough to have a view um i think i've said before my pastor describes controversial theology like a highway and he says you know as long as you're on one of the lanes you're good just Mm. don't fall in the ditches but pick a lane and 
and if if we're if we're just ignorant of of theology that's not good either but regardless of our view you should we should never turn these controversial theologies into core theologies and we've talked about that many many times oh yeah for sure so cool. hopefully that gives a hopefully that that answered your question to some extent hunter and uh, thanks again for uh for writing in but we hope we uh uh we gave you a little bit to to think on yeah for sure that was cool all right. So we're going to follow up this this conversation on on our views on the rapture and eschatology with uh, in two weeks we're going to drop an episode talking about uh, the nation of Israel and should we be supporting them theologically, practically, so on and so forth. Is is that something we are essentially being commanded to do, or is that um, or is that pastoral poppycock? <laughs> <laughs> well. Thanks for listening. Tune in in a couple of weeks. <laughs> hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Dummies with Wisdom. To give us comments, ask questions, or submit pictures of other dummies you find in the wild, email us at dummieswithwisdom at outlook.com or find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash dummieswithwisdom. 